Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. In Ireland, we love a good story. And I'm lucky enough to be able to chat to people from all over the world to hear their story and to hear about their life in Dublin. In this podcast, we want to be able to learn from the stories of others so that people who have recently moved to Dublin can get the most out of their time here. And I'm always trying to follow these green light. By the way, I'm like not a sound engineer or anything. And I'm learning that we're learning as we go. Well, you studied it. You should know more. Um, uh, but see those green lights there. I should be p- pretty much being picked up almost, yeah, to pretty, to where they are, basically. Um, and then Ross, if you, like his, his microphone is a bit more sensitive. He's got a different mm-hmm. type of mic, so he has to hold it further away. Keep it down low, yeah, out, um, of, out of sight. Whereas your mm-hmm. mic right there, it actually looks quite comfortable for you. It yeah. is, yeah. As long as I don't <laughs> look at it, because it's like really in your face. But yeah. like, yeah, for me, it's fine. Relax. <laughs> you get back. used to it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now you're just having a coffee with the guys. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Very chill. Yeah. That's my Sunday afternoon. I, I've seen you, you. You seem to know quite a lot of people in Dublin. Well, relatively, I think. Because, you know, I told you I created this group, the Dublin Brunch Cocktail Club. Oh, you never told me there was cocktails involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I love to go to cafes. And by going to cafes, I end up just meeting people. And um, one actually of those people is the barista uh, to this cafe that I go quite often. Mm. And so that's why just before when we went um, just now to the cafe, he was working there. So that's why I was like, oh, small world. Yeah. But it's really nice. Sometimes you run into people like and it's like, oh, yeah, I met you at the cafe. Yeah. (laughs) Which is really nice. How did you go about starting a, a brunch cocktail club? So I used to do meetups uh, when I was in Australia because I, well, I kind of found that as an adult, it's really hard to make friends once you're no longer in a university setting. And I love to discover like cafes, but I also love to discover loads of different types of food, like from Ethiopian to Korean, Japanese, Italian. There's a lot. And so 
I realized to try to meet people, but also sort of explore what, well, Dublin is quite cosmopolitan as a city. So I thought I could kind of explore different like hospitality venues and at the same time get to meet people. And that's why I decided to create this Dublin brunch cocktail club. Brilliant. It's a really good idea. Um, and like there is quite a like a, diff- a lot of variety and, and different things you can you can taste and try out. Um, you've lived in a few different places before. Um, you, I think you were in Australia, were you? Or yeah, where where have you lived before? Yeah, you came here? so so I grew up in South Africa, uh-huh. and then after I finished my high school in France, I went to the UK to do my bachelor's. Then I went to Sweden to do my master's. Then I lived in Australia. Then I went back to the UK for a job and then quit my job, moved back to France to set up my business. Then lockdown happened. And then I ended up staying in Belgium for a year. And then I moved here. Wow. Wow, that's pretty pretty <laughs> epic. Yeah. I basically, in the last 12 years, actually now 13, I've not spent more than two years in one country. Wow. Let alone one place. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of questions in there where <laughs> you want to start, but um, the first thing that comes to my head is, is what was the business that you, you started? Mm. So by trade, I'm an animal nutritionist. Yeah. Um, I got, well, I got a bit discouraged by the industry. So I quit the industry and my first business idea was actually to open a plant-based cafe. And I'd set on doing that actually in The Hague in the Netherlands. But in the end, just before lockdown, I thought, well, because I can't do anything right now in hospitality and I can't go out to the Netherlands, I'll try to start doing animal nutrition consultations independently. And that's sort of how I came about to Dublin, actually. Um, Mm. I came to try to work part time uh, as a receptionist at a vet while I wanted to create my own practice in nutrition. Wow. Um, what were, were some of the high points and maybe low points of starting your own business? Because it's not an easy thing to do um, and extremely challenging. Um, yeah, so I think like, well, it's always easier, I guess, to start with the low points. Um, I'd say the low points uh, is it's very solitary. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly uh, alone at the same time. Uh, for me, like independence is very important. And I've, I really struggled uh, with the fact that I had to be dependent on, uh, for some time I had to stay at my parents. And I really, really struggled with that um, because after having lived in pe- independently for 10 years, going back to theirs um, was really hard. And that was sort of like a price to have to pay. And yet I really struggled with um, with accepting that, which is why then I had to go to my sister's, but I still felt this de- dependency. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say it's it's not knowing, like not having the security net that, you know, you're going to make it okay because you, you're not sure. So you, you have to know that, well, maybe you're not going to be able to, you know, make a living out of this. So you can't really plan anything. You have to look very much in the short term. And at the same time, um, that can be very, very frustrating. Um, You know, if you don't, 
but I tend to be quite impatient as a person. And when it comes to a business, you know, they say on average it takes like three to five years before you can live off something like not in the context of, you know, if you sell something like in hospitality, but if it's like giving consultations and like teaching, things like that. Building a name for yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And creating a network again, like going back to Lyon in France, like I didn't know anyone. Um, everyone else had gone. So really, except my parents, I didn't know anyone. So I had no network. And I found that not having a personal network was like a huge um well, weakness and that you really need to have support, like at least of, you know, people or feeling like you are in a stable position that you know, you know, you know where you are and you have some sort of comfort to then be able to reach out to, you know, then f focus completely on your business. Do you think coming to Ireland uh, being, okay, if, if you feel like you're letting your network back in uh, Lyon was, was kind of depleted, uh, do you think that makes it easier for you to move to different countries? So you went back to back to France, then to Belgium, then to Ireland. Uh, when you were tr it, because you didn't have that network, because you didn't have that kind of social support in terms of having fun, doing things like that. When you came to Ireland, were you able to just go, okay, well, I didn't have this back home, so it's not it's not really too different. Uh, were you able to make friends easier because you had? Uh, the freedom to because you needed to make friends or because I know when I went back to my hometown my friends weren't there but because it's my hometown I didn't feel the need to go out and make more friends from there because I was kind of wallowing that my general friends weren't there but if I move to a different country I'm like I have to make friends I have to be act active I need to engage in some sort of extracurricular activity uh, like was building your business the main thing or was having fun the main thing that you wanted to build when you came to Ireland so yeah well I think that's the core of it is that um like like I'll do a little loop basically I because I grew up in South Africa mm -hmm. but my parents were French I'm something that people call a TCK a third culture kid <laughs> and what that means is you you grow up in a culture that's not your own, mm -hmm. but you don't identify with your parents' culture either. So you sort of create... Mm -hmm. I've never heard that before. ...your third culture. And one thing that they find, like, you know, there's a whole, you know, like, therapists and psychologists that look at this, and they find that the two main things are identity issues and rootlessness issues. Now, mm -hmm. if you fast forward to, like, 30 years later, the advantage is that it's very easy for me to move. Um... But that's exactly the point was that, you know, whether I was in Australia and Sweden and France and Belgium or coming here, what I lacked was this network. And so that's why when I came here, um, it makes it easier because especially when you're traveling solo, like you you have to, you know, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, we would never believe that you're an introvert because, you know, you're you're not afraid to like go out and speak and you're very social. But you have to be, you know, because when you're in a new place, you don't know anyone. Well, unless if you want to, you know, be very comfortable just completely being in solitude, you sort of have to connect. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I love about traveling. It's connecting with people, hearing their story, their perceptions of things, their different cultures. I find that so enriching that it's, I guess it's part of the idea behind when people say you have the travel bug. Mm -hmm. It's It's almost addictive, you know, like to get that sort of 
perspective outside of what you might be thinking. And so when I came here, I thought I want to connect. But now I always sort of moved from place to place thinking of my career first. But I came to Ireland to think I want to find stability. I want to set, you know, roots and I want to create this network because I realized when I was in France that not having this means that you can't be fully, well, at least I believe that you can't be fully, you know, functional in developing a business when personally, you know, you're all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, in terms of from the business point of view, I used to think like, oh, you can, you can kind of do it yourself. Like the internet is so powerful and you've got so much access to people all over the world. There's, you cannot beat having someone like who will help you out or a network of people who are in a similar situation or people with different skill sets that you might be able to use when you're working in a co-working space or something like that. All of that stuff is so important when you're starting a business because, as you said, for the first three to five years, unless you've either invented something amazing uh, that's like instantly going to take off or um, like you're in retail of some kind where you're selling something and hopefully there's a growth from that. But if it's like selling consultancy or services of some kind, it takes so long um, and you need that support because otherwise um, it's too difficult to, to do it on your own unless unless you're really, really, really motivated or determined or, or have that circle within your personal family or friends or whatever. But um, I've never heard of that TCK thing before, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, like one question that comes to mind, and I'd just be curious to know what your answer to this is. Um, it's a hypothetical situation, right? If you were to have um, a, a child in the future with someone like the father being uh, also from, say, a similar cultural background to you within a, a country that as a different culture long story short my question is how would you feel about raising a child in a similar situation to what you were raised how you were raised would you would you do it or w would you not um so like if i understand your question you mean like basically replicating yeah you know exactly. the experience yeah. of like being in a i think i think i would do it um but i think sort of having more knowledge you know and tools to be able to help um like my child um i mean you know everyone does to the best that they can but i think that so one thing that's very very positive for children who are tck's is that it shows them that there's not just one culture there's not just one set of you know one way of doing things one way of teaching because it goes like to so many different things. It goes from, you know, classes and education to how other kids at the school are being raised to, you know, so it opens you up to so many different things that it's, I think it's a real um, like bonus. Also, it means you're more open to, in a lot of times, languages because it's much yeah. easier than to, you know, speak various languages. Um, on the contrary, the downside is as a kid, for instance, myself, unlike my sister, uh, I really struggled with change. Mm. I really like, you know, I didn't want to move away from France. Um, I really struggled to make new friends. Yeah. And so I think I really struggled as a kid. And I think to be able to also 
have that sort of psychological um, support, you know, of also the parent being able to say, look, I understand what you're going through. And you handle this much differently as an adult than yeah. a kid would, you know, because as a kid, you make up your own world and friendships and, you know, activities mean a lot sometimes. Like, yeah, of course. again, depending on personality. But whereas my sister was someone who she could easily just start over. Uh, I was very much, you know, I have a, a few friends that were like really close and I had my activities and I liked that stability. And I think being thrown out of that um, in hindsight, I think, was a good thing. But now today, I think it's also means you need to do a lot of work on your patterns and on yourself, um, sort of like holding up a mirror to what are you doing? Because it's become to a point where now... I don't feel anywhere is home, so it's easy to jump from place to place. But it also means that very quickly, I'm, it's almost like I got used to this habit of just having to recreate all the time, like every two years, everything. Yeah. It seems to be a very... Um, you said in uh, Australia, you set up the meetups, and then here in Dublin, you're doing the Dublin Brunch Cocktail Club. It seems that it becomes an, a, trying to create a sense of community and people to be connected with the network seems to be a major part of what you want to do in life. And um, what, like, when you were in Australia, what, uh, what made you want to be the one to set up the, the meetup? So I always loved organizing. Mm -hmm. Like, I was always, I mean, when I was 17, I organized a party for 110 people. <laughs> so it's... Or, wow. Yeah. Birthday party or a Christmas party or what was it? Uh, it was an end of, so at the end of, um, I forgot what it's called, like the year just before you graduate okay. uh, in France, you pass like back. a few of the exams. Okay. So you don't pass all of the baccalaureate, but you pass the French baccalaureate. And for some people are in different um like sortings because you have like literature or economics or science some of them also have another exam so to celebrate that first year um i decided to host like a sort of promotion party mm -hmm. and so i've always loved mixology and cocktails so i organized the drinks i made like massive you know like punch and different types of cocktails i organized to rent a venue i was like organizing you know to have a bouncer like mm -hmm. i organized everything as well as doing their own playlists for different genres and everything i just i really like that like it's something i've always loved but then there's the connecting factor and i found that while you know people do say that we have more and more means to connecting through the fact of social media I actually always found that um, there's m less connection because physically we're less, um, I don't know, like I felt like there we always tended to stay on a much more superficial level and that people actually craved for that connection. And I found that while I was just traveling um, already when I was in Sweden. Um, and that's why when I moved to Australia, I joined meetups. And initially, like, you know, I joined just a few meetups that existed, but I felt like it was always on that superficial level. And that's why then I decided to host meetups where, you know, we would do something or like host a discussion. But the idea was always to connect and to try to find some kind of common ground with people. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter because 
it can be something as superficial as just meeting to have a coffee or to, you know, try a certain type of food. But then there's an open discussion, you know, like there's that opportunity to talk. Whereas sometimes if people do meetups where, you know, you go out dancing or clubbing, um, it's a very different type, you know, of meetup, which is fine. But I ended up after a certain point in Australia being like, this, I mean, I guess as an introvert for me, it was very depleting mm -hmm. because I was going there and a feeling like you always repeated the same thing. Like, you know, hi, my name's Ariane. I'm from France. Like, I'm a nutritionist. And then I would go home and feel like I've actually not connected with mm -hmm. anyone. And that's why I decided, okay, I'd like to, you know, do more activities on a smaller scale, but where there's actually more space mm -hmm. for people to kind of open up and, you know, share their stories. And you repeated that here, obviously, in Dublin. Uh, why did you de why did you decide to go just for cocktails and brunch? Why was that the niche? Um, well, because so I'm I'm a, like I'm a foodie, and like I said a few years ago, I wanted to create this plant based uh, cafe, and I realized during so a friend of mine in Australia, she has. Uh, a business called Food Social. Mm -hmm. And she did this thing within her group called A to Z around the world. And what she did is for every letter of the alphabet, she would like get a business deal with a restaurant. So I think, you know, like A was Azerbaijan and then B might be Brazil, C was Cambodia, D for Denmark. So she would go to all these places. She would get a special exclusive deal with the chefs they then would be an event at a specific date where she would have the members of her group that would come and that would try, you know, for instance, Ethiopian food with a ceremony of Ethiopian coffee. Mm -hmm. And I love this concept because I think that so much is shared through food. Um, there's a lot of values. People like to do things a certain way, but it's it's a cultural aspects and and I think that's so interesting and also um, I think there's a peace element to when people have meals like growing up actually like there used to be a lot of times when people would be like screaming and yelling and mm. shouting and then people would come to the dinner table and there would be like an agreed moment of peace and truth <laughs> so in a way I think then I kind of grew up being like hmm okay so at least I know that at meal times like there won't be any more yelling and shouting mm -hmm. But I think that also it's something that's not if I tell you like, oh, if you want to go to a meetup and have a philosophical discussion, you know, on like whether people, um, you know, should be, I don't know, should be eating plant based or should be eating meat. Like people, would, you know, most likely be like, uh, I don't know you like that's, mm -hmm. you know, a bit intense. Yeah. Whereas if you say like, as well, like other people putting forward their ideas, which you might think, oh, these are very well thought out ideas. But they might not be either, you know, but people might just be intimidated by that kind of intellectual uh, discussion. I think initially people like it's you will get more people coming to something that's very open where people can say, look, like I want to come. I want to be around other people, but I'm not sure how much I want to open up and I want I want to share. I have met quite a lot of people who have said, look, I'd really like to hang out and meet friends, but I'm I'm afraid of like going to meetups and for me like it's it was really hard to comprehend like how could you be afraid of like wanting to come out with people but you know it's 
again, it's a matter of personality and different people. And I and I can't imagine, you know, from having seen several people write things like that. Like, I'm I'd love to come. I've been here and I feel very alone, but I'm actually scared of going to a meetup. I thought if you leave it quite open as something just like, do you want to come share a meal? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it doesn't require a lot. I mean, you know, it's very basic as mm-hmm. well. Like people need to eat and I think also in smaller groups, people don't feel as much that pressure like that, you know, they're going to attend um, a large group and that there's going to be. So I guess that's sort of why I decided um, I could combine my sort of want to like connect and to meet people. But at the same time, because I do love, you know, all these ranges and after the lockdown, you know, the hospitality, Mm -hmm. like for me, it was a huge blow, like the fact that you couldn't go. Um, And a friend of mine, actually, she said in Lyon, uh, she's like the only person I still know that's there. She was like, I don't understand why people are like complaining about the lockdown. At the end of the day, like it doesn't really change much. Just people meet at home. And I said to her, yeah, that's easy for you to say, like, you've not like you've never left Lyon, basically, since Mm, you're like three years old. You have your friends here. But for people like myself who don't know people, we meet others through the hospitality industry. Like, even if it's not, you know, boldly just going to sit at cafes like I do sometimes by myself and then chatting to people, you it's where you can host things. It's where you can say, like, hey, guys, like. I'm going to be hosting this meetup or, you know, like going for a meal. Who wants to join? Neutral ground. Yeah. And you do it at the hospital, you know, in through the hospitality industry. And how do you you've you've got a lot of experience. You know, you come from a French cultural background. Obviously, in in France, they say the food there is 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 on a very high level in terms of that sort of stuff. Uh, I know in Australia as well, they've got a very uh, good food scene. Um, how do you rate the the food scene in Dublin from your experiences? Well, so one thing, and that's partially like going with the idea of the club, was that uh, Dublin is a very cosmopolitan city. And through the cosmopolitan city, I mean, like, not only does it have, you know, people from so many different places, but it also actually caters, in my opinion, I think it offers a lot of things. Um you know, like I've been like Melbourne is really, really good for the food scene, but it also has. So that's where I was living. But it also has a huge diversity. Um, yeah. You know, like I was saying, like you could go from pretty much every single letter. Like I think there were two letters that we had to skip, but you can go through every letter from A to Z. And actually, even there's more than one, you know, for every letter wow. to actually cater for this and and I think, you know, maybe not right now because I'm still looking for housing and it's it's quite messy here in Dublin. But once I kind of find housing, I think, you know, potentially I'd love to recreate this idea of the A to Z, you know, concept because I find that Dublin does have a huge uh, choice mm. in terms of, you know, going from, you know, Asian to European to South American. Um, it is very diverse, I think, in terms of the offer. And I do think, like, it's very much, I don't know, right? I can't compare it to how it used to be. Um, but from speaking to some people and sort of having looked um, at the scene, it does feel like the competition is very high. So it kind of also pushes people to, you know, have very high quality. Um, but it also means that people are actually 
you know, it's quite international given that there's so many tech companies here. Yeah. So people do want to, you know, go out and eat various things. And I think that's also pushed the bar up yeah. for people here in Dublin to be like, we have to cater, you know, for all these different sort of tastes. And yeah, it's quite exciting um, from my point of view. I, I love going out and enjoying food as well. Um, I wish I could do it more often. I wish I was super rich and could eat out all the time. But um, <laughs> yeah, Dublin that's is not the problem cheap. With the, with the price. But uh, when I get the opportunity to, I I love going out and trying new food. And like for me, uh, you said earlier on about your friend from Leon asking, well, what's changed? What's different? But like, yes, the hospitality sec- sector offers that neutral ground, but also hopefully at least there's people who are way more talented at making food than you are and, and they make food for you and it's it's really cool um, there's some nice experiences around the place in Dublin at the moment um, I went to a restaurant um, why do I keep bringing things up where I can't remember the names of them but it's up on um, it was really really nice and it was a high level restaurant um, I think they haven't got a star yet but they're are in the running for one um, and it's up on Thomas Street near near Vicar Street um, if you know where that venue is, um, I'm gonna I'll put the name of of the restaurant in the show notes. Uh, but it was so cool, like it was a tasting menu, um, really really nice food, um, and it, like it's a once every six months kind of thing, um, or maybe even once a year probably. Like it wasn't it wasn't crazy. It was, like, it was a hundred euro, mm-hmm. all right for for the food. Six courses or. Eight, I think. Yeah, well, okay, it's not it, bad. And, and for the quality of food, like you technically should be paying more. Okay. Um, but, Including drinks and everything. Um, it didn't, but I had a friend who had a voucher for drinks. Um, he got it for his birthday. So yeah, I guess if we had paid for the alcohol, then it would have been uh, quite a bit more. Um, but um, or sorry, maybe he got one bottle of wine, and we think we might have had more than one. So there might have been alcohol involved, in, but not all of it. Um, but it was just so nice. Yeah, eight courses. They come out, they explain it. It's a real show. They're super passionate about what they do. It's incredible food. Uh, for me, it's a really enjoyable night out. Yeah, and something you remember. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's like an actual... I, I feel like in some cases, it, it really feels like art. You know, like I think mm. like you're saying, like they feel so passionate about it. But it's also like it's a proper experience, you know, like. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious, like rather, you know, not from a newcomer's perspective, but like from you guys, like living in Dublin, like have how do you guys feel the change in the food scene? Um. Well. So from first of all, like obviously gr- I haven't grown up in the city um Obviously, as a kid, I wasn't really into food or anything like that. Um, but I, there wasn't, first of all, half as much choice. Um, that's for sure. Um, I also don't think there was as big a culture of eating out. Let's say my parents, they wouldn't have eaten out very often. Um, but mm, maybe, in, you know, in their latter years, they they would have as changing. I think the Celtic Tiger, uh, which was like... Um, like an economic boom in Ireland from the year 2002 to 2005, maybe, more or less. Oh, would, have started, would have started in the mid-90s, really, like yeah. around the tech boom. like Yeah, so anyway, Ireland had a good economic time. And let's say uh, the generation older than us, so people who are in their 40s, would have been really riding the wave of that. And I think they were the ones who started going out all the time, eating out all the time, 
compared to, let's say, our parents' generation. And I think things probably started to improve with that generation. Then we had a financial crisis, obviously, 2007. I know it hit really badly here. A lot of people emigrated. Um, like people have emigrated always from, from Ireland and for all pretty much its entire history. But I think people who travelled abroad experienced the likes of the food scene in Melbourne, etc., and are they're coming back to Dublin mm-hmm. and they've gained skills and they've seen the level and they're trying to bring that level to Ireland and we're playing catch up but I think there's some people here doing a really phenomenal job like I don't know them personally I don't know I'm not a food expert by any means but um, it's still like we don't have a food culture like the Italians do or like the Spanish do um, or strong food culture but in terms of um, options for eating out, I think it's very good in Dublin. I really do. Um, growing up here, was it was it as good as this? No, not not even close. Um, so yeah, that's changed, and I think that's for a variety of reasons. Uh, but I think most of it's probably from people having lived abroad and going, mm. well, why should we accept such crappy options in Dublin? I agree. I agree with a lot of that as well. I mean, growing up in the west of Ireland, uh, we had like a Chinese kind of chipper, mainly uh, the Italian chippers and uh, then we had a, a, f- a family from Pakistan moved into my hometown and they set up a, a, a an, an Indian in, <laughs> in Tubber. And I used to not like spicy food until this Indian came, and then one day I was like, "Oh, give me, let me go, let me have a try, let me have a try." And then my mom finally gave me the the, the most dairy based one possible. I didn't really like it, but then I tasted one that wasn't like full of dairy, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I like these flavors." And that was probably when I was about you know fifteen, sixteen, so early uh, late noughties, I guess. And See, I would have grown up with, and you pretty did too, but meat and potatoes and vegetables every single day. Every, every single, every single day. day. Um, and then, Fish on a Friday, maybe. Yeah, you know, if we were lucky, we'd get a takeaway. If we were lucky, uh, when I say exactly. takeaway, I mean a chipper. Um, maybe once a month on a Friday, uh, which is like chips and like chicken or fish or something. Um, I had my first Chinese takeaway when I was 16. Um and yeah, it was obviously like, oh my god, what is this? Um, this <laughs> yeah. MSG, and like, I, just, <laughs> I could eat for hours. Yeah. Um, I should say, it didn't make my stomach feel so good um, <laughs> for someone who wasn't used to it. But yeah, I remember that moment. But like, I moved up to Dublin in 2012. I wasn't really aware of other than making my own pasta dishes. You know, I was kind of, I wasn't, didn't have enough money to be buying takeaways all the time. So I actually made my pasta very simple dish as a college student and um, you know but when, when I went away for a couple of years I kind of came back I started picking up a few things that's why I agree with uh, Mark's point that when you go away you get exposed to a lot more and you're forced to eat a lot more and a lot of very different food and when you come back maybe I'm just more aware and I noticed around 2017 I'm just like yeah Dublin actually has a lot of options, a lot of choice, and uh, some of them are there for not the right reasons. They want to cash in and make it super expensive, and then they don't really take care of the f- their product or, or their standards, and they'll drop away. But the ones who have kind of stayed over the last seven, eight years, they're, they're doing it to a 
good level that people appreciate and know it's not just there just to cash in on the gentrification of Dublin, if you want to call it that. Mm. And I think also, you know, it, it makes me think um, just like with traveling, you, you know, you open your mind to different ideas, to mm. different perspectives, different mindsets. But I think with food, um, it's very similar. Like we we have a huge diversity in terms of like the uh, forget what the English word is, but the like the taste buds that mm-hmm. we have in our tongue. And I think if you're always used to a certain type of food, um, it, it almost becomes like a habituation that, you know, it's very bland and it's always the same thing. And then if you try food from a different culture where like, for instance, you know, in, in Chinese food, they do a lot more um you know, with like umami, like, you know, with Japanese food as well. Um, Indian food, they'll, you know, rely much more on spices. Um, similar with like South American food as well. They'll use spices. But like the combination of flavors that each sort of cuisine type will put together is very sort of unique to those, you know, like particular Regions places. And, yeah, yeah. and I think that's what's so fascinating. And I always love the image of, um, I don't know if you've seen the Disney film Ratatouille. Yeah. And you know, when he's like showing the little um, Remy, the yeah. rat, he's showing his brother, like how to pair like cheese with some kind of like onion peel or something. And he starts like to show those little like fireworks and like how it works together. And I love to consider that, you know, flavor is all in terms of association of, you know, one thing with another. And what I love is that, and this is why today, you know, you get fusion as well, where you get chefs who, from traveling, mix, there might be a French chef, but he's traveled to Japan and he's trying to incorporate Japanese elements of the cuisine to French cuisine. And it's creating, like, that fusion. And that's sort of some things that I actually love to do i love to uh try to experiment and like combine different flavors because i think very much sort of like with the mindset of you know people are used to doing this way and others are used to doing it that way and i'm like why can't we try to you know get some elements from this way and get elements of that way Mm -hmm. and sort of merge them in between and you know i create this coffee actually that's called a chai mocha Okay. And so it's it's basically because I love spices. And unfortunately, in Europe, they've not quite gotten the chai um, right, chai so chai. to speak. Whereas they, what they do is they just put sugar and then they put a little bit of spices. But it's essentially, it's just a syrup or it's a powder that's, you know, more than 70% just sugar. Whereas in Australia, like in, uh, in India as well, like it's mainly just the black tea with the spices. Mm. And then they brew it in the milk and then they sieve it and they can sweeten it afterwards but it's actually really spicy and then to your own personal preference you sweeten it and I love the combination of like spices with chocolate and then with the espresso but unfortunately like (laughs) I'm trying here in Europe to try to like make it a thing but it's hard because like in Ireland for instance they you know they don't use pure cocoa they actually like use a sweetened powder where again like there's a lot of sugar there's also they use like a milk powder um added to the chocolate so the chocolate content is actually like very very low um and then you deviate more and more you know from the sort of like pure uh like flavor but i 
I love this, you know, like this notion of trying to combine different things together. And I think that's why, you know, when you're saying like you're when you tried like Chinese, suddenly you're like, whoa, like, what is this? You know, it's like an explosion of flavors because it's something so different to what you've ever tried. Um, but it's I think it also creates sort of like space for, I don't know, like it's almost like innovation to or like to some extent, yeah. you know, it's like novelty, right? It's yeah. like... Yeah, definitely. It's a new experience. And just to be clear, it's Irish Chinese, which is very different. <laughs> I don't want to offend any Chinese. It was probably like chips and curry sauce or something like that. That was probably like my... <laughs> I can't remember. No, 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 actually, I do remember. Sorry, it was sweet and sour chicken, which I don't know. Yeah, it's this kind of red syrupy thing. What's, uh, what is the ingredients or the spices that should be in a chai tea? So chai tea, well, the base of a chai normally like they use, they put black tea, but in terms of spices, they put um, their cinnamon mainly, but then there's also nutmeg, cardamom, pepper, ginger, and in some chai, I think they put a little bit of, um, what's the other one? Turmeric. Not in China. Thank God. <laughs> they put it in everything. But they put turmeric. Have you ever tried a turmeric latte? It's not really a thing in Dublin. Uh, I'd, I'd give it a go, though. Turmeric blows your mind. It's just so good. It's amazing. Yeah. Turmeric latte or golden, like a lot of places, they call it a golden latte. Golden latte. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. Cool. Next time I'll come by, I'll make, a, I actually have some golden latte from South Africa. So... I'll make golden latte. That'll be amazing. Um, if, when you're at our event, hopefully on Wednesday, maybe you can bring a lot yeah. of original chai. I'll bring some chai and I'll, I'll make a thermos of chai and a thermos of golden latte. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, we'll yeah, get you up on stage <laughs> and we'll have the interview and you can give us tasting notes and, and get everyone else coming to your, uh, your brunch and cocktail club. Yeah. Come I'll here. Um, I, if I wanted to join your brunch and cocktail club, how do I go about it? So there's a Facebook page and there's a WhatsApp, but like, um, because I know some people don't have Facebook, which, well, it goes both ways, actually. Initially, I started the group through WhatsApp, but then I find out it's much easier to create events on Facebook. Um, so now I've created a Facebook group as well that has a link to the WhatsApp. Um, and, and is it called Dublin Brunch Cocktail Club on Facebook? Yeah. It's called the Dublin Brunch Cocktail Club. So have a look for the Dublin Brunch Cocktail Club on Facebook and you can get all the details there. Um, have you met like any nice people through through the events so far? Yeah, I've Thanks. met lots of lovely people, actually. Um, recently, actually, the cafe that I often go to, I was telling them, like, oh, guys, you know, I'd love to try this GoQuest thing. Um, you know, I've not really met a lot of people, but um, I've invited, like, 10 people to join. And, it, like the people at the cafe were like, what do you mean? Like, you're not new. And I was like, yeah, I've only been here for eight months. And, but, you know, because I love to try to go out and meet people, but there's there's multiple people that I've met, you know, who have actually become really good friends. And people said, but how have you met? And I said, the Brunch Cocktail Club. Brilliant. That's amazing. Good for yeah. you. That's really like being proactive. And like, as you said, you, you're at this stage you're an experienced newbie, let's say. <laughs> yeah, you know how to, to be new in a place and you, You've you've had the difficulties in the past of integrating and the struggle or even the difficulties of leaving the place that you might not want to leave. So it might sound like, oh, it's as easy for me. But obviously it's come from a place of enormous struggle and difficulty. But I think for anybody who's listening who may be thinking of 
of of moving to a new place or even moving to Dublin, I think your example is a good one. You have you've been super proactive. You're like, this is what I like. <laughs> I like, you know, I'm not into clubbing so much anymore, or like like I was in Australia. So I'm, I'm more into the food scene. I want to try and do this in Dublin. It seems to be a cosmopolitan place, and you created that for yourself. So that's that's brilliant. Congratulations for. For doing that and thank you i'm feeling that a lot of people are going to want to join your club <laughs> well i hope they do yeah uh, i'd love to like yeah, have more people it, it join is, it should be it should be so much fun um do you have any particular favorite places in the city that you've discovered so far um i really like tang hmm. uh their new place because i love being outdoors and their unf- new place well you yeah. know they opened one in cumberland okay um, I know I've, the one I know is on Abbey Street. Okay, so they have one on Abbey Street. They have one on I think it's Dawson Street. Uh, the one they have at the corner near Stevens Green. Yeah. And then they opened one I think in June, which is next to Bread Forty One. Okay. Where they have a courtyard, so you oh, can cool. be outside. Because I love being outside. Like even now, every morning I drink a coffee outside for a half an hour before I go to work okay. because I just love being outdoors and yeah. I know people are like you're going to have to adapt that you know Dublin is an yeah. indoor place <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. so far I'm like I'm quite stubborn so I'm like just being like Meh. I'd rather just like wear a raincoat and yeah big jacket and you're okay really exactly and an umbrella and I feel like it's also like a almost like a dare you know from the forecast and I'm like well watch me <laughs> yeah the, rain, the weather's super changeable anyways so exactly you, exactly you, you stay outside and then you're like well if you want me to be outside like you know I'll try your stay best here. try your best yeah rain. exactly yeah. and then you're like like last Friday completely drenched but then like half an hour later it's okay <laughs> yeah 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 the tang is really good uh, United Coffee is really really good for coffee where's that uh, Ballsbridge okay that's really nice for coffee um, it's best cafe I've found so far. Uh, Where so exactly in Ballsbridge is it? Um, it's near, like near that. It's on what's it called? Is it upper or lower? Um, I don't know the street name. Just it's like near that bridge. Leeson Street. Mm, I know. Yeah. I know the not bridge, not yeah. Leeson, the one after. I get. Yes, it's on uh, lo- upper or lower. I always get confused. Street. Okay. Yeah, nice. just next to the bridge. United Coffee. Yeah, United Coffee. Okay. It's really good. I check it out. I don't know that place. It's my favorite coffee, like cafe, and I've done a lot of cafes because <laughs> yeah. I really good. I love coffee. Yeah, I, I trust your word. Living I think in it's Melbourne. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, uh, I United recommend coffee, it. I'm going to check that out. Mm. Anywhere um, else? Um, let's see. Uh, in terms of pizza, recently I tried Vice Vice Pizza. Okay. They opened like I think a month ago or something mm. um, but also really nice because f- I am quite fussy in terms of like the standards um, like food is really important but like also customer service you know and the place absolutely yeah. and customer service they've been amazing so Vice Pizza is really good um, Japanese Yoi uh, I think it's called I'm going to butcher the name now Yoi Iki Nasho or something. It's also really close, actually, to that uh, Ballsbridge uh, place. Okay, that's a really nice. Cool. Japanese send us place. the name, and, and we can put all of these links in the in the description yeah. of the podcast. Anyway. Yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I think if, if I'm going to definitely try and hit up all these places because most of them, which is cool and also embarrassing, but Tang, new for me. Nice. Uh, well, Tang, I know. I don't know. Uh, United I don't Coffee, know. I don't know, and the Japanese place, I don't know. 
Um, so I'm I gonna... can definitely share. Like if I if I share my map with you, like <laughs> there's about probably eighty places that I've yet not tried, and I've tried probably about maybe 30, uh, and a lot of them I've already removed, so the ones I've kept are like the ones that are really good. Do you have a blog or anything like that? Uh, I have a, an Instagram page where I share like new places I go to called Flavorth. Okay. Flavorth. Flavorth. Flavorth, which okay. was the idea of my cafe because I was trying to, you know, because I, I wanted to promote things that are plant-based and mm -hmm. more sustainable, uh, but with the idea of, you know, things that like have like, a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. So that's why I created Flavorth. Um, which I got told by some people near me, like, that's such a bad idea. But I still went through with it. <laughs> good, good for you. Don't let people tell you what to do. So, yes, yeah, so I've got an Instagram page um, f that I've kept, actually, from this idea to create this cafe. And since I arrived in Dublin, I thought, rather than just, you know, closing it down, why don't I just use it to share, like, places that I go yeah. to? Really cool. Okay. I'll have to follow that because I'd be pretty interested in seeing your opinions and, and what you, the places you're discovering and give me ideas for new places to go. Sure, yeah. And, and pretend, also, you know, it's... I know what I'm talking about. What's <laughs> um, also really cool is then you can exchange, you know, like, you can tell me places you've tried and uh, I love, always love to discover new places and... Uh, yeah, I think mm. it's really nice to be able to open that discussion of like, oh, where do you recommend? Yeah, it's like really when you cool. travel as well. That's brilliant. Um, Oriana, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the podcast. I really appreciate We've been trying to organize this for a while and we finally got <laughs> around managed. to doing it. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come and talk to us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. been really nice. We've managed, like you said, after a few. <laughs> yeah, after a few yeah, we've like each tried to let's like, oh, can we postpone actually? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, thank you so much. It was really nice to chat yeah. to you guys. It was a Great. pleasure to have you on. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, yeah, thanks, we'll talk Ross. to you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.